Thank you very much for that good singing. Um, if you have your Bible with you tonight, um, we're turning to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew and the chapter 27. And while you're finding the place, let me thank you for the invitation to come along and share a word from the gospel um, tonight. And thank you to Johnny for leading as well and making me feel so welcome. Matthew chapter 27, and we're starting to read at verse 11. So verse 11, the word of God says, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he, was, when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And we'll end our, the public reading of the Lord's word and there at verse 26. <clears throat> I'm sure we all know this account of the, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and the trial um, up against Pontius Pilate. And tonight, very briefly, I want to look at five separate points. First of all, I want to look at the person of Pilate, the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ, the price of truth, peer pressure, and then Pilate's response. And I've titled this message tonight, What Will You Do With Christ? And hopefully as we progress our way through this evening's message, you'll understand why we have titled it that way. But first of all, let's look at the person of Pilate. So Pontius Pilate, to set the scene, was the sixth Roman governor in the area of Judea under the emperor Tiberius at the time. And his job was ultimately to maintain law, Roman law and order um, in the occupied region of the empire. He was likely a man of good character in that I say 
He possessed energy and enterprise because we know he possessed that office of governor for quite a long time. He was definitely not liked by the Jews, not just because he was a, um, a, a foreign, foreign entity ruling over them, but also because he deliberately violated their law and did it on badness. He insulted their religious sensibilities when he hung worship of images of the empire of the emperor throughout Jerusalem. And he even had coins with pagan religious symbols minted for the people to use. Furthermore, he wasn't above killing people to get his own way. So he wasn't very well liked among the Jewish people. But the thing about Pontius Pilate was his position meant that he could order crucifixions and legally order crucifixions. The Jews didn't crucify. The Jews, if they were going to execute a criminal, they would have stoned them to death. But the Romans crucified their criminals. And that's important, dear um, unsaved friend here tonight, because to fulfill prophecy, we know the Lord Jesus Christ had to be crucified. It says in the Old Testament, in Psalm 22, um, there's a vivid picture of the crucifixion where it says, They pierced my hands and my feet. And we know from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, that Jesus was made cursed for us because cursed is anyone that hangeth on a tree. So we know that the Lord Jesus Christ had to be crucified. Furthermore, and finally, from historical record, we know that after one of Pontius Pilate's powerful friends um, fell, Pilate was exposed to sharper criticism. And it's around this time that we think um, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, capitalized on this vulnerability in obtaining the legal death sentence for the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. After that, um, eventually Pontius Pilate met his own demise and he was ordered back to Rome for something he had done against a group of Samaritans and the emperor at that time ordered him to kill himself. So that's briefly the background of this character that we see him introduced in these verses of scripture here tonight. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's all very interesting, um, but what has that got to do with anything that I am going to say or listen to tonight? Well, I want to try and draw a few comparisons um, to both myself and you possibly in the meeting here tonight or listening online to this man, Pontius Pilate. First of all, I've already said we believe Pontius Pontius Pilate was quite good at his job because he held that office um, for quite a long time, according to history. And maybe you're here tonight and you're quite good at your job. Maybe you're a skilled tradesman, a businessman, an exemplary employee. Um, There's possibly something that you have in common with Pontius Pilate. Possibly another thing that you have in common with Pontius Pilate, and I would say is probably quite likely for most of us here, is Pontius Pilate wasn't a Jew. Pontius Pilate was a Gentile living among Jews. And thirdly, the other thing that was probably the same between you and me and Pontius Pilate is that he had a decision to make that night. Perhaps you've been dragged here um, by someone else. Perhaps you don't really want to be here. Perhaps you've stumbled across listening to this online. But nevertheless, this is a divine appointment for you. Um, And you can leave this place different from when you came in. 
You can leave this place saved, um, ready to go to be at home with your Lord, with the Lord and Saviour before you leave this building tonight. But either way, you will have to answer the same question that Pilate had to answer. And that is, what will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? So as we look at the character of Pilate, we see there's a couple of things that we could draw a comparison with us and with him here tonight. But the most important one is he had to make a decision, what will you do with Christ? And each one in here who is unsaved will have to make that same decision tonight. From verse 11 to 14 that we read tonight, then we see the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 11, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered unto him and said, Thou sayest. This account happened during the feast of the Passover. As a result of that feast, there was many, many more Jewish people within the city at that time. And it looks like those Jewish leaders, with Pilate's weakened position and the swell of Jewish visitors in the city, used that circumstance to, of the, the risk of a riot breaking out to really put pressure on the governor, Pontius Pilate, at this time. And they claimed that he was guilty of three things. It doesn't say it in our reading here tonight. It gives it in a parallel um, gospel of this account in Luke chapter 23. But I'm not going to turn to it. Those three, um, those three accusations that they claimed he was guilty of was misleading the nation, forbidding the paying of taxes, and claiming to be king. Misleading the nation, forbidding the paying of taxes, and claiming to be king. That was his three charges. And these were definitely political charges. Something the kind that a Roman governor could deal with. And Pilate focused only on really the one charge. The third one. For it was the claim that Jesus could be king was the one that was a definite threat to Rome and to the empire. If he could deal, Pilate thought at, at, at initial glance, if I could deal with this somewhat revolutionary person. I could please the Jews and I could please, and I could please the emperor all in one go and it would be a good day all around. And so in verse 11 that we read, he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And the Lord Jesus Christ simply replied, thou sayest. Or basically, it is as you say. And although it's not recorded in this, in this account as well, in one of the parallel accounts, we also know that the Lord Jesus Christ answered another question of Pilate's. And he explained to the governor that his kingdom was not of this world. It was, he didn't have an army. He didn't have followers to fight. Rather, his kingdom was a kingdom of truth. Tonight in the service, because of the rejection of the Jewish people, dear friend, we as Gentiles now have access to the same salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ was offering to them. And the question for each of one of us tonight is not, is he the king of the Jews? But is he the king of your life and my life? And I suppose that question comes to both saved and unsaved. So if you're saved here tonight, I know this is a gospel meeting, but... Um, it's always good to um, be reminded of a few things as well during a gospel meeting. 
if you're saved here tonight, is he truly king of your life? In everything that you do, in everything that you say, everything that you think, in your finances, in your home, in your work life, are all those decisions made with the thought that the Lord Jesus Christ is king of my life, with the thought that will this glorify my God and my Saviour? If you're not saved here tonight, you can't say he is king of your life tonight. To be able to say that, you have to accept the finished work of the cross. You have to recognise that you are a sinner in a sinful condition, that you're in need of salvation, and that you have to reach out in faith to the only one that can save you from the punishment of your sin. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it's appointed once unto men to die, and after this the judgment. The judgment that it's talking about there is due to your sin. Every wrong thought, every wrong deed, every wrong word is recorded in the books of God's library. Imagine, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, um, your time has come to, that you've passed away, you've passed through the valley of death, um, you're heading towards that judgment seat of Christ, and you approach um, what, you appear, what, what appears to be a, a librarian sort of figure, um, but in fact it's God the Father. And he opens the book of life, and he, he asks for your name, and you give your name, and he runs his finger, as it were, down through the, the pages of the book of life. And he can't find it. He can't find your name in the book of life. So what happens next? Well, we're in a library. So the book of life is set to the side. And the other books come down. But these books aren't there to, to check if your name's in one of those. These books are the books that record all of your sin. And these books will be used as evidence against you for your sentence to an eternity in that awful place called hell. The place where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched, as we're told about in Mark chapter 9, verse 46. That's a very solemn thought, and that doesn't need to be the case, and that's the good news of the gospel that you can avoid that scenario by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming back to our passage then, Matthew chapter 27, um, we see that the Jewish rulers were insisting that Pilate condemn the Lord Jesus Christ. They repeated their charges, they enlarged on them, and during the course of that interaction, they mentioned that Jesus was from Galilee, and a light bulb came on in Pilate's mind. He thought, Galilee? Okay, Galilee, Herod's over Galilee. There's maybe a possibility that I can get rid of this problem. There also appears to be, a, be some, have been some sort of quarrel with Pilate and Herod at one point, um, according to the commentators. And Pilate maybe thought, if I can give this problem over to Herod, I can get rid of it once and for all, and also maybe settle that argument with Herod at the same time. 
Are you trying to sidestep the problem here tonight, dear unsafe friend? Are you trying to um, think about something else instead of listening to that still small voice that's stirring within you, that is convicting you of your need of a saviour? Are you flooding your thoughts with things of the past week, of things of the future week that's coming in, temporal issues, to try and sidestep the decision that you know you need to take? Well, unfortunately, you will find, just like Pilate did, that it's not possible to sidestep the decision. For as Matthew, for although Matthew doesn't record it here in this passage and one of the other parallel passages of this account, the trial that the Lord Jesus Christ had before Herod was very short and there wasn't a lot said. We read about that in Luke chapter 23. Herod was the one who had murdered John the Baptist previously and had threatened to kill the Lord Jesus Christ as well. But the Lord Jesus Christ was silent before Herod because, silent, because Herod had silenced the voice of God. All the king, all king Herod could do was mock the Lord Jesus Christ and send him back to Pilate. That's quite a scary thought, dear unsaved friend, regarding the truth of the voice of God. It says the voice of God was silent for Herod because he had hardened his heart. Dear unsaved person in the meeting tonight, listening online, how often have you already heard the gospel message? And how many more times do you think you will need to hear the gospel message before you think you can accept it? Within the gospel message, we often quite rightly stress the urgent need to address your sin problem. We're told about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And quite often we describe the possibility of, of leaving this building, being involved in a sudden accident um, that could usher your soul into a lost eternity, or indeed being diagnosed with some incurable disease that, that takes you very suddenly. And even sometimes, in fact, we would describe the rapture of the church to the air. And in all those circumstances, your opportunity will, have been gone, will be gone to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. But one thing that we maybe don't describe just quite as often is the fact that you can weary God's patience by rejecting the message of the gospel time and time and time again so that the Holy Spirit will no longer strive with you. And if that happens, dear friend, if that happens you here tonight or listening online, you will be as sure of hell as you are already in it because you've rejected God's offer of salvation one too many times. So if you hear that still small voice tonight, dear friend, don't ignore it. Don't be like Herod. Act on it and get saved by the wonder-working power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the, the, 
the introduction to Pontius Pilate and the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see in verses 11 to 14. Thirdly, I want to look at the price of truth. While this manoeuvre with sending sending the Lord Jesus Christ from Pilate over to Herod may have sought to may have successfully patched up a quarrel between the two rulers, it was unsuccessful in getting rid of Pilate's problem. He still had the Lord Jesus Christ standing in front of him. The Lord's conversation and responses to the interrogation seemed to convince Pilate that Jesus was not a dangerous revolutionary. In fact, it says in John chapter 19, verse 38, Pilate's, Pilate's assessment of the Lord Jesus Christ was, I find no fault in him at all. I find no fault in him at all. Dear unsaved person, what fault do you find in the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight? Now, don't be looking at me because you'll find plenty of faults in me. Don't be looking at churches because you'll find plenty of faults in churches. Don't be looking at at that so-called Christian up the road because you'll probably find faults there too. The question that I asked was what fault do you find with the Lord Jesus Christ? And let me just answer the question for you. There isn't any. He is the perfect Lamb of God who was sent into this world to fulfill prophecy, to die on a cross for each and every one here tonight. In this world of social media and so much information at our fingertips, it can be sometimes difficult to ascertain what is the truth. With, while we are bombarded by rich content on social media and even deep, deep fake videos which can be edited to lead us to form an incorrect conclusion about things, it can be difficult to ascertain what the truth is. But this was not the problem with Pilate. Pilate seemed to have came to the realisation of the truth. He had come to the realisation that there was no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the issue with finding truth, the issue with truth is first of all finding it. The second issue is dealing with it. So when you've actually found the truth, sometimes the action that you need to take for that truth isn't any way um, easy. And this was the case with Pilate, and that's why I've called this section the price of truth. Because even though Pilate knew what the truth was, he knew that the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't a dangerous revolutionary and that he, he could in fact find no fault in him at all, Pilate chose to turn his back on that truth. Why? Because it was too dangerous for him. It's going to be too expensive for him. If Caesar had have heard that he let a riot break out at the time of Passover with so many Jews in his region, just because of one, what he would have deemed an insignificant Jew, he would most certainly have lost his job, his position, his money and his prestige in society. When faced with the pressure of the decision from the truth that he knew, Pilate caved. We all want to know the truth when we come across something to understand it better. But the issue is with truth, when you find it out, 
it quite often means you have to um, do something about it as well. Dear friend tonight, regarding the gospel message, don't turn your back. The gospel message is good news for you. It is truth that the world so often doesn't want to hear and they don't want to hear it because, uh, because at its core the gospel message tells us that we're wrong and I'm sure you're like me you don't really like getting things wrong and you especially don't like it when someone else points out that you've got something wrong but we all do it and that's what the gospel message is and that's why the world doesn't like to hear the gospel message The same is true of the gospel message. At its core, it describes us all as being wrong. And, it's, and because of Psalm 51, verse 5, it tells us the reason for this. In sin, our mothers conceived us. Imagine you're working in a factory and you're making some sort of um, maybe plastic product and there's a molding machine that you make all the products from and you're working one day and you accidentally drop the mould and the mould now has a, a dent in it. All the products that you now make after dropping that mould will have the defect in it and that's how it is with each one of us. After Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden they essentially damaged the mould and by default we were all born sinners. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the only way that there is. He is the truth. He's the only one that you can trust. And he is the life, not only spiritual life in this present day, but also eternal life forever and forever in eternity. Eternity is one of those strange things that it can be hard to quantify, hard to think about. Um, but really, everything in light of eternity is, is nothing. Because when we think about the cost that Pilate would have had to pay, um, he maybe would have lost his position, he would have lost his, his prestige in society. But when you weigh that up against the loss of your soul, something that, is, that, that you can't even put a price on, and by losing it for all eternity, which just means forever and forever, there's no comparing that loss with, with the price that Pilate would have had to pay. And this, it's the same for each one of us here tonight. If you're not saved and, and you're thinking, like Pilate, you, you, maybe, you maybe know the truth of the gospel, you've maybe heard it many a time, but you're thinking, oh, I, I, could never, I could never do it, I could never go through with it. The, the, the guys at work, they would they would slate me for it all day long or, or you don't know what home condition I'm going back to um, or, or you don't know the other circumstances in my life that, that I just wouldn't fit with. Dear unsaved person, everything 
in light of losing your soul for eternity is nothing. You can have the assurance of your soul um, being safe in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ in that heavenly home, in that heavenly mansion, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight. So that's the price of truth that we see with Pilate. Very quickly, the peer pressure that Pilate was under. We see that Pilate, from verses 15 to 26, um, thought he had um, had a plan to try and get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ problem once and for all by trying to swap him out for Barabbas. And even before he got that far, in verse 19, we read that his wife sent him a message to say, have nothing to do with him because she had suffered many things in a dream because of him. And that wasn't probably because his wife wanted to add to the pressure. His wife was probably trying to help make sure he had all the information um, before making his decision. Pilate wanted to, to solve the problem, but he didn't want to make a definite decision. And as Roman governor, he had to pledge to uphold the law. But as a politician, he knew if he got, he had to get along with the people as well. Every decision Pilate made forced him to make another decision until he was a prisoner of his own evasions. He questioned, he questioned Jesus further, but he made no reply. Pilate's last effort or last scheme to get out of this whole problem was the tradition of releasing a prisoner. And instead of selecting some unknown prisoner, we all know what he tried to do. He tried to pick, the, he deliberately picked the most notorious prisoner he had called Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber and a murderer. Pilate reasoned that there's no way, there's no way that the crowd is going to release Barabbas and let the Lord Jesus Christ, um, or instead of letting the Lord Jesus Christ go. Pilate was wrong. In spite of the fact that Jesus had ministered by healing the sick and even raising people from the dead, the people rejected him and chose a murderer to be released. Pilate realized that a riot was brewing and he couldn't afford to let that happen. And so the governor acted purely out of expediency and not out of, on the basis of integrity. He released a guilty man and sent an innocent man, the son of, a son of God, to his death. Very briefly, Pilate's response. He tried to wash his hands of it, we read um, at, the, at the end um, in verse 24. Secondly, he stated clearly that Jesus was a just person and was not worthy of death. And thirdly, he offered to punish the Lord Jesus Christ and then release him, but the Jewish leaders weren't having any of it. The religious leaders finally used their ultimate weapon against Pilate, that he had no defense. He said, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. And with that, Pilate capitulated. He had Jesus scourged and delivered him to be crucified. Pilate knew it wasn't right, but he refused to do anything about it. He was willing to please the people. He yielded to the world, listened to the crowd, Pilate looked for an easy way out, not the right way. And he's gone down in history as the man who condemned the Lord Jesus Christ. But 
in conclusion, we come back to, to where we started this message tonight. As we step through the account and briefly looked at the character of Pilate, the question still remains the same at the end of the message as it does at the start. What will you do with Christ? Will you be like Pilate and try to take the easy way out? Are you thinking of excuses even now to try and, try and get out of it? I can't do it for you. This church can't do it for you. Pilate chose to turn his back on the truth because it was too dangerous. It was too costly to face. What will you do with him tonight? Will you accept the truth? Or will you cave like Pilate did to the excuses of the world, the flesh and the devil? If there's anything that I or any of the other people here that you may trust can do to help um, you in your, your quest to, to find the Lord Jesus Christ or, or to get your sins forgiven, please do feel free to, to ask and we'll, be, um, we'll seek to point you to the one who can help you and take away your sins. Our closing hymn tonight then is number 313 um, in the book and on the screen. Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God is coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. We'll stand to sing once we get the music, please.